welcome to Zephyr Podcast Sessions with your host, me, Scott Howland. To find out more about Zephyr and how we're helping leading brands and businesses with customer journey orchestration, visit www.zephr.com. Hey and welcome to the Zephyr Podcast Sessions. It's awesome to be back here today and uh, I'm very excited today. I've got a massive smile on my face. It's a pleasure to be joined by uh, Robbie Kelman-Baxter, who uh, is uh, the, one of the most uh, the best-selling author of uh, Forever Transaction, the membership economy I'm sure we'll talk about. Robbie, hey, great to have you uh, on the show today and uh, great to meet you on, on in digital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great to be here and uh, great to finally meet you as well. It's um absolute uh, pleasure to have you on and uh, I-, I can't wait to get into the discussion today. We've got all things kind of podcasts, books, subscriptions to talk about today. Um, and I think, look, first of all, you've done this for years and years. For people that maybe don't know you, that might be listening uh, right now, it'd be great if you could just do a very quick overview of uh, you, uh, your experience and uh, what you do in this world. Sure. For, for the last 20 years or so, I've been very focused uh, on the world of, uh, of subscription pricing and the concept of membership more broadly. Uh, it started, uh, you know, I, I've been a consultant uh, and or a product manager most of my career. And uh, 20 years ago, uh, I had Netflix as a client and I fell in love with their business model. And I came to see that it was built around what I've come to call a forever promise to their customers. In their case, professionally created video content delivered with cost certainty in the most efficient way possible, and how they've stayed true to that promise, even as they've continued to evolve how they deliver it, and how that approach can be applied to virtually any kind of business is really what I've spent uh, most of my career focused on. Uh, and I've worked with you know dozens, if not hundreds of organizations and, and written two books on that topic. And I, I think going into that, uh, 20 years ago, uh, when Netflix first had this um, kind of approach, it was, what's a subscription? Yes, newspapers had print subscriptions, and I guess you were going down and very legacy old school, paying your local um, uh, uh, newsagent or, or a local shop or local grocery store or whatever for your for your news of the day and however that worked, or even having that relationship directly with the publishers. Um, for the rest of the uh, the globe and the different businesses, uh, and uh, it wasn't even e-commerce back then, it was commerce, I guess, and, and, and the shops and bricks and mortar, um, it, this was not known right uh, this was a a brand new approach to recurring revenues and and predictability yeah it was it was interesting um you know going back to that time uh you know i was falling in love with the business model so i was like i asked the people at netflix you know what are the um comps that you use comparable businesses that you're looking at in terms of like the right metrics or how to think about the health of your business and, you know, there were the telcos, right? The, um, you know, there were the cable companies, uh, there were the newspapers, the gyms, professional associations, country clubs, there were a lot, there were uh, annuity uh, businesses, there were some uh, what they call continuity programs that mailed you your product every month, book of the month clubs been around for 100 years. But, you know, nobody was really applying technology uh, to that model. 
and kind of re-envisioning it. And then I guess at the same time, I'm in Silicon Valley in, in Northern California in the United States. And, you know, at the same time as the Netflix thing was happening, a lot of companies were experimenting with, with what's come to be known as, as software as a service. But again, it was small and rare as opposed to today where it's the norm. And uh, going to that software as a service, fast forward the the kind of 10 years, whatever that was, when it was starting to spin out in the uh, 2008, 2009 kind of era. We see Adobe in 2013 completely shift their selling those physical disks to software as a service, right? I used to try and install Photoshop as, as, as a disk on my laptop. Um, <laughs> you can download that now, right? They were, they were going to that, that, that kind of economy <laughs> and you smack back, bang in the middle of Silicon Valley, this is where it's all grown out. Why do people um, like the subscription approach in your opinion? Why, why, is this, why is this a focus for businesses? So on the business side, uh, they've they've found that you know there's so much power in a subscription model. You know the first thing is the recurring revenue, right? It's predictable. Um, it allows you to manage cash flow, make investments more thoughtfully. Um, a second benefit is uh, you get to know your customer better. If you have an ongoing relationship with them, you don't just see what motivates them to buy it. You also see how they use it and what motivates some relationships to expand over time while others either stay constant or contract. Um, and then the last thing, which has become a really big deal in the last five years, is that businesses that have subscription revenue enjoy higher multiples in their valuations in the public markets. Um, so that's a big deal. Your company is worth more if your revenues are recurring as opposed to episodic. And uh, we're seeing that uh, more and more with however many IPOs we've had over the last uh, couple of months. We're seeing that Datadog is probably one of the biggest kind of wins over the last few years. Uh, huge market share in what they're doing uh, and how that grows. But huge kind of multiples on their revenue because they've got this recurring relationship with their customers uh, where there's the low churn I, I was about to say no churn but i'm sure there's some churn there's there's low churn there it's it's kind of high acquisition um in in the customers lots of different products but breaking that down now getting into that a little bit deeper maybe uh, is this about a connected relationship with the consumers uh, obviously you've got your the, i think you said it, it was like that forever approach is it all about having this connected relationship or how do you see that side of things yeah so from the cons you know we just talked about the value to the business um but when it's done correctly, there's tremendous value to the customer, to the subscriber, whether that is a consumer, um, you know, you and me paying on our own nickel, um, or whether that is buying on behalf of our company, right? Business to business, a lot of that is now uh, recurring as well. Um, you know, Salesforce is kind of the granddaddy of software as a service, the idea that you subscribe to the software instead of owning it outright and supporting it on your own servers um, and being responsible for it yourself. Um, when it's done correctly, software as a service and consumer subscriptions release um, that customer from a lot of the risk uh, of owning something outright. The maintenance responsibility um, gives them greater access to a broader range of, um, of value. Um, there's 
solves the problem on an ongoing basis in a better way than outright ownership does. So what I always advise an organization who is thinking about moving to subscriptions because they want that recurring revenue is to start by earning the right going. No, absolutely. And I think in, in, in all of these situations, some people offer free, some people offer trials, some people offer these different acquisition techniques to go and drive people from even as basic as unknown to known, right? Let's get them into a first party kind of nurture data set. Let's find the right products to fit that right persona, to target that right person, to drive conversion rates, to drive revenue. Uh, and obviously there's kind of key things in that depending on how you're offering this at, you might get a curated kind of subscription, very hyper-personalized, might be something like Gray's, right? Uh, Amazon touched on a few years back and I don't think it ever took off but like the kind of dash replacements right where you could you could trigger that um uh that relationship that subscription by uh when you ran out of bleach or whatever that might be the for your for your house and uh uh, what was happening there or maybe something replacement items replenishments like a dollar shave club and stuff and they kind of took off on that angle but there's also the access subscriptions where we talked about SaaS. then you talked about salesforce you talked about these SaaS companies doing that um i guess netflix uh, talked about 20 years ago look what they're doing now it's crazy and uh, i know I, I noticed you shared something the other day about them uh, increasing their prices now over time now they've got people bought into that who's going to cancel their their netflix really now uh, and they can drive that revenue people are habitually uh, engaged with that um with that product now um how do they continue that relationship from here on in um there's lots of other competitors out there disney amazon um uh, netflix uh, all out all competing with one another where do you see that going for them yeah it's a really good question um the journey that netflix has been on i mean there's a bunch of things that i think are interesting that we sometimes forget um and we i think underestimate the amount of innovation that netflix has um has deployed uh, over the last 20 years, you know, um, you know, first they were up against, you know, the blockbusters and uh, Walmart was going to do this, right? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, at the time, (laughs) Walmart was huge, Netflix was small, and Walmart had a physical footprint. And they had this vision of, you know, what if, you know, you could subscribe, the movies come in the mail, but you can drop them off at Walmart. Or if you need something at last minute, you have that choice. But it turned out that Walmart didn't have the focus on the forever promise of, you know, with Netflix, it's professionally created video content delivered with cost certainty in the most efficient way possible. 15 years ago, that was three DVDs out at a time. Um, and it was somebody else's content. Today, it's their own proprietary content for the most part. And it's delivered via streaming to your, you know, everything from, you know, your phone to your video game console to your smart TV. Um, they're also experimenting with, you know, as you mentioned, with pricing. Um, as they've gone global, they have different offerings in different regions. Um, I think in in um, in India, they have a mobile only program that's like three ninety nine, uh, the equivalent of three ninety nine a month versus, you know, it's triple or quadruple that in the rest of the world. Uh, so they're experimenting. You know, that's one big trend: is how do you play globally? Uh, versus playing just in your own market when there are both other players and the local players that you're competing against. Another thing is, of course, they've used their data to create content that they know their audience loves. So they're very savvy about 
um, what to create. And a lot of people say, you know, there are other content providers, but Netflix always seems to have the next thing for me. And so they're quite good at that. And then they've also stuck with their ethics and their core values. So one of the things that they've always said is cancel any time. And a lot of companies hide the cancel button, lock you into a one-year subscription, um, do a lot of different things to make it hard for you to leave. Netflix is always month to month. There is no other option. And they've recently said that if you've been subscribing for a year or more and haven't used the product, haven't logged in, they will cancel for you automatically. So they are really focused on only serving people where they provide value. And I think that's a really critical distinction of what makes them successful when so many others fail. And that was really interesting. I spoke to, and I think you spoke to him the other week on your podcast, or maybe a couple of months ago now, but Greg Picotta of, uh, of Inma, and we were talking about bundling and unbundling products and things like that. But um, it was really interesting. We had that conversation about Netflix cancelling subscriptions and how um, innovative that was in a way, because they were kind of leading that charge. Actually, you're not getting value. Oh, we'll cancel that for you. So when you do want to come back, you'll go, actually, they were really good about that. And they've had, they've got that good experience. They've got that feel good factor around that from, from that experience with Netflix. Yeah. The, the having the pause button is a very popular thing right now as well. So Netflix, you know, you can cancel it anytime and come back. Um, many, many businesses now are moving towards the concept of a pause button. That is, if you're not going to use it for a while, you know, hit pause and you don't get charged and you decide when you want to start spending again. There's a real, you know, a, a, a member relationship is on both sides. If you want to, if you want me to trust you enough that I'm going to let you take money from me every month, um, you need to be trustworthy. You need to be acting in my interest when I'm not paying attention. Absolutely. And look, we could talk about this all night, I'm sure. And we could go back and forth on that. Um, w one thing I'd like to do, though, um, obviously, look, Everyone that's listening should, if you're really interested in this subject, go and check out both of uh, Robbie's books, um, The Forever Transaction and The Membership Economy. Um, membership Economy was the first one you, you wrote. Uh, how many years ago was that now? Um, that book came out five years ago. And I wrote that because people weren't seeing what I was seeing. I was still having trouble explaining to people that what was happening here in Silicon Valley um, and, you know, with these digital native subscribers businesses and the software as a service companies could be applied to any business, um, any old line business, um, heavy equipment, uh, you know, any small business, your nail salons, your car washes. And so I wrote the membership economy to explain what I was seeing, explain why I was so excited about it and explain how it might be applied for any, any business. Um, five years later, we don't have to explain to anybody the power of subscriptions, right? Um, and, and now the question is, you know, how do you do it and what's coming next? So that's really the difference between the first book and the, and the book that just came out this year. No, absolutely. And uh, I've read both very, very interesting books. Um, but y your latest kind of venture, as well as doing all the other stuff you do, has been a, a, has been a podcast as well, right? Uh, how's that going for you? Uh, it's it's good. It's a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. Um, and uh, it's quite a journey to learn how to be a good, uh, at least for me, it's been a journey to be a, a better interviewer and, and uh, develop the skills. But it's also, you know, the reason I did it, Scott, is because 
when I was writing my books, um, it's such a high to be able to, to do research for me, like to, to talk to practitioners and thought leaders and experts. The learning for me is so powerful and exciting. Um, and then I, I really felt the letdown after I finished writing the book. I finished writing um, The Forever Transaction uh, last fall, so just over a year ago. And I was kind of going into withdrawal. Right. You know, I didn't have that excuse to call somebody and ask really probing questions about their business models or their strategies. So that's really that's really why I did it. And it's it's very broad and, and far reaching in content. So I've you know, I interviewed Greg, as, as you mentioned, but I also interviewed Gina Bianchini, who's the CEO of uh, Mighty Networks about community. And I interviewed Jesse Tights-Becker, who uh, runs marketing at Impossible Foods, you know, the plant-based meat company, um, really trying to broaden the way that people think about the power of membership and thinking beyond just subscription pricing. And that's kind of my, my, my last question to you. Um, I've got another couple of random ones at the end, but my, my last question to you now sure. is, um, where, do you see, where do you see membership and subscription economy going? Right. Have we have we reached that peak yet or where do you see it going in the future? Yeah. Well, so so first of all, I feel like we're in, you know, the gold rush times of subscription. You know, everybody, everybody's like there's gold in them, their hills and we're all running towards it. Um, and there's going to be a shakeout because a lot of the subscriptions, honestly, just aren't very well thought out. Um, don't really have the customer's best interests at heart and they're going to fail. So I think there'll be a little shakeout. Um, and then there's some some bigger trends that I see um, that I that I covered in in the book that I think are important. Um, one of them is we're just starting to see subscriptions get into the manufacturing world. There's a lot to go there. Um, heavy equipment, durable goods, um, you know, using the Internet of Things to build new kinds of models that, that are aligned with with. Uh, customer needs. Um, I think that's really exciting. And then um, the globalization of subscriptions is the second big trend. And then I think a third big trend, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, subscription-based healthcare and thinking about, you know, how do you optimize for moments of health, you know, healthy, happy minutes, you know, I, that's what I really want is more of those. I don't really want more surgeries at a better price. I want more minutes where I'm not at the hospital. So how does how does do these principles transform that space? Love it. Look, really appreciate you talking to me today. Um, it's been great chatting with you about that. And uh, please, everyone, go and check out uh, both the Forever Transaction and Membership Economy books, and and go and listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, all kind of like streaming spot. Um, <laughs> podcast services to uh, subscription stories uh, by Robbie Kelman Baxter um two questions before we uh we finish this uh this this chat um firstly uh pretend I'm over in Silicon Valley when maybe we can travel again it's a long way it seems a long way off now still um but uh we go to a local bar um what's your go-to drink of choice uh Probably a glass of white wine. Not very interesting, <laughs> but I'm a, a, you know, wine country in, in California is a big thing. So maybe a, you know, a uh, heavy Chardonnay um, might be my, uh, my go-to. Good choice. Good choice. Um, and uh, my second one, I'm curating a music playlist uh, for 2020. We're trying to keep it upbeat. Uh, what would be a go-to song or artist mm. for you to add to that playlist? Oh, anything by Lizzo. Or Taylor Swift. 
Love it. Uh, both Lizzo and Taylor Swift, uh, very <laughs> good options there. Um, I saw I saw Lizzo on uh, randomly, uh, complete separate thing, but I saw Lizzo for the first time ever when she was performing at Glastonbury. And uh, I wasn't there that year. I, I'd been a lot of times at the festival and uh, I was watching on TV and someone said, you got to watch Lizzo. I was like, who's Lizzo? Never heard of Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing. I was, uh, yeah, I was totally engaged yeah, so in the talented. whole performance. So good. And then uh, when she brings out the flute and stuff on stage, I yeah. was just like, wow. She's she's crazy. a very skilled musician. I mean, she re- I mean, both of them are. She's a very skilled musician. Um and a great performer and um, sounds different than everybody else, especially because she's using a flute. Um, and uh, and then Taylor Swift, you know, you can't count that girl out. I mean, her songs, this new album is fantastic. Cardigan is such a good song. Um, the way that she puts the album together is so creative and thoughtful and the pieces fit together and tell a story yeah cool look um it's great to have you on the show today um robbie absolute pleasure um i'll go and add lizzo and taylor swift to the playlist but look um thank you very much for your time really really appreciate it and uh uh, hopefully i can uh, get over to uh, california and uh, say hello in person soon yeah i'd love to have that glass of wine with you (laughs) perfect thank you have a good day you too